notes here, animal intuitive and sensitive, aka animal communicator and Reiki master practitioner with animallovelanguages.com. And that little shriek was my ever-present feathered sidekick pearl cuts. He loves let's talk to animals. This was your idea, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it your idea? He said it sure was, mom. And here for season four of Let's Talk to Animals, of course, seasons one, two, and three, I was wearing my wonderful little hostess badge and facilitating amazing conversations with fellow practitioners and complementary and holistic practitioners all around the world. Folks who absolutely adore animals and want to play their part in contributing to the healthiest, happiest life for companion animals and wild animals worldwide. Here on season four of Let's Talk to Animals, Michael is the same and yet different. I've decided to take off my hostess badge and kind of come forward a little bit and uh, add my two cents to the conversation if you will. And so if you're just now joining us for Let's Talk to Animals, I hope you're enjoying season four thus far. And I certainly hope that you will consider going back and listening to some or all of the wonderful conversations that we've been having about interspecies intuitive communication, how it works, what is it, who can do it, how, how you can learn what you can do with it, and what to do when the animal you're talking with has an unmet desire or need. What do you do next? So these are all topics we've covered on Let's Talk to Animals up until this point. Starting with season four, my goal is to kind of build a, build a foundation for you of understanding what creates really healthy, really useful animal communication conversations and how, how can we bring our best and brightest self to the conversation from the perspective of wanting to be of the highest service. Now in episode one, I covered my longtime practice of meditation and why I feel like developing some, some kind of intuitive introspective practice is so invaluable and so essential to having good productive conversations across species boundaries uh, with our own animals, uh, with our, with, with the humans, animals in our lives and with ourselves. If you don't currently have a practice that focuses on quieting the mind the chattering left brain mind and opening your ears, then this is where we start. It doesn't have to be meditation. It can be nature walks. It can be playing with kids or with your own companion animals. It can be so many different things. I shared the story of a family friend who told me that he felt most close to God or to the divine when he was out in the fields with his rifle and his dog. So it, it, it can be as individual as whatever works best for you. Start contemplating what that might look like for you and start considering carving five or 10 minutes out per day or adding to any existing practice to just really focus on how available am I to listen to what another being may want to share with me. As an adjunct to that, uh, one thing that comes up 
very frequently and very quickly in embarking on the first steps of uh, your own animal communication learning journey is unrealized biases or even stereotypes or prejudices that you hold that may interfere with your ability to truly listen to what's actually being shared. One of the most valuable things that I have, I have experienced in my own learning journey as an interspecies communicator is the opportunity to communicate with animals, what I call blind, which means I don't really know anything about them. Maybe I know that they're alive. Maybe I know their name. Maybe I might even know their gender, but I may not know their species. I may not know their breed. I may not know their age. I may not know anything about their background or whether even they're connected to a human or not. And this has allowed me to take my blinders off, even the ones that maybe I didn't know were there and help me to really hear my conversation partner clearly with no filters, with no assumptions about, oh, well, he's a dog or, oh, she's a parrot. Oh, well, I know a lot about parrots, but I don't really know anything about ferrets. So really kind of informing how I, I hear what's being shared. If I don't know that I'm talking to a dog or a horse or a turtle, how might that change how I hear the information that the animal is sharing so that I can receive it, decode it, and translate it and share it with that animal's human more purely? We really can't help in many respects how we arrive for our experience and our learning journey as communicators or even how we show up as active participants for a facilitated animal communication conversation. We bring our persona along, our, we have our assumptions even about who we are, about whether we're a good animal caretaker or not, about whether we know a lot about a certain animal species or breed or not, about we have our own opinions if we're, you know, for instance, if you schedule a session with me for you and your pet, you may have a lot of ideas or assumptions or opinions about what your animal might say or about what they need. And you, you may or may not find that those are validated. Animals are masters of surprise, just guys in surprise. Let's say you come into the conversation and you're nervous that your animal's going to say, oh, I don't like you, or I don't, I don't think you're doing a good job taking care of me. And then your animal says, oh my gosh, like, I love my life with you and, and you so get me. And, you know, so we have to prepare ourselves to hear what's being shared. And to receive that and recognize that maybe, you know, having a conversation is pretty routine for us. We do it all the time, whether it's just the customer service on the phone or it's a colleague at work or, you know, somebody we volunteer with or our partner or our family members. But for that animal, this may be like the only time in their life that they've had the opportunity to have a conversation where a human animal is really listening, really wanting to hear what do they have to say, really wanting to learn from them instead of 
teach them. Now, I have no problem with, with animal trainers, as long as it's done ethically and kindly and positively, but that's part of a mindset of the human animal, that's kind of the superiority complex that we carry around with us, whether we realize it or not. That's another kind of blinder that we need to kind of take off and realize, wait a minute, I'm actually the one who needs the most guidance and instruction here. I don't know very much at all about talking with animals that aren't my own species. And so we really have to come with a student mentality and, and also just realize that our animals have profound wisdom to share with us and we don't want to miss it. So coming into a conversation with open listing ears is absolutely vital. And the other aspect is understanding that we have many more ways to listen, many more listing pathways available to us than maybe what we might have realized or been taught that we have for here's a a great example from my college days in, I was a, a business administration major at a concentration in marketing and sales. And that meant that I you know, took a lot of speech classes, a lot of classes about how to communicate effectively as in, you know, how to get what I want through communication. So advertising, marketing, sales, that sort of thing. And I remember in one of my speech classes, hearing the professor talk about how 10% of communication is verbal and 90% of communication is nonverbal and then proceeded to test and grade us and evaluate us for the rest of the class on the 10%. And if, if, if we ever even discussed the 90%, the nonverbal part, it was usually in the context of, well, make more eye contact or, you know, use more gestures or use less gestures or how we held our body or how we stood or placed our feet or that sort of thing, or maybe the expression on our faces. But it was just such a minimal part of the, the, the class material. And, and I remember thinking, if nonverbal communication is 90% of all communication, where's the class on that? So it's so important to, to, to ask ourselves these questions and to realize that there's all kinds of ways to have a conversation. For instance, have you ever been talking with somebody, maybe your own species, and the words they're saying sound okay, and the delivery sounds okay, but you're just getting like a bad spidey sense or just kind of get a like, like kind of like bad vibes about the whole general interaction. And that's a great example of intuitive or nonverbal communication. It's a sensory communication. It's an intuitive communication. It's a gut level communication. It involves our gut brain and our right brain, not our left brain and our head brain. There's a reason why we want to come into every animal communication conversation with beginner's mind, with our empty cup, wanting it to be filled up with knowledge and insight and awareness, wanting to empathically tune in with this animal to walk a mile on their paws or fins or claws or wings to experience life from their perspective because they are the masters of interspecies communication, which is primarily a nonverbal language. Yes, it's a universal language. Yes, it's part of the human animal's operating system, just like it's part of all non-human animals' operating systems. But we are way behind the eight ball for most of us 
in learning how to use it. We're walking around with our verbal to nonverbal translation tool, our app or our dictionary. We're stumbling over our words. We're haltingly sending and receiving messages using sensory and intuitive pathways versus the animals have been doing this their whole lives. They're fluent. And so in every way, they are the master, they are the mentor, they are the teacher, and we are the student, we are the apprentice, we are the learner. And so having that humility and coming to the conversation, being honest, and even sharing with the animal, I always say never hide anything from an animal. If you're having a bad day, if you don't want to be there, if you're really stressed or frustrated about the conversation that you're about to have, if you've got something on your mind, or if you're just feeling fragile, or unwell, or just anxious about something, always share that with the animal because you don't want that to lead them to interpret what that, that energy is trying to tell them. You want to just share it up front. And then they're like, Oh, okay, no problem. No big deal. You know, we can still have this conversation or maybe let's do it another time. And so when you come into a conversation, just recognize that these, these pathways are going to feel rusty for you. Animal communication is, is one part accessing our survival system, our fight, flight, freeze system. Those are where good vibes and bad vibes come from. And so, and then one part accessing our sensory pathways, seeing, hearing, touching, tasting, smelling, and one part accessing our deeper, our intuitive pathways, what some people like to call the clairs, you know, clear sentience, clear cognizance, clear audience, clear voyance, and all those other wonderful clairs, and putting it all together into a wonderful custom-made dish that um, forms the, the foundation of how we converse intuitively. And we, we bring that to the table. This opens up this whole nonverbal world, all these additional communication pathways and tools and, and, and cool apps that we suddenly have access to. It's also why I often joke and I share that since animals converse primarily using nonverbal communication pathways, sensory and intuitive pathways, and through their fight or flight or freeze system and human animals converse primarily through the verbal pathways of the 10% where they, we kind of just get stuck up in our left brains over here and we don't know how to come down. Like what, who took the ladder away? Then if it often feels in conversation, like people are from Mars and pets are from Venus. Like we're just trying to connect in the middle. If we want to talk with animals, must learn their language. They've been doing, they've been meeting us more than halfway for millennia, trying to learn our language, trying to find ways to communicate with us that will work for our left brain neural pathways. And so now we're going to enter into a conversation saying, show me your way. Help me learn from you. Help me help me communicate using your native tongue. And it's one of the most beautiful gifts of interspecies communication is that we learn that there's so much more information that we have access to than we could have ever dreamed possible. One great book, if you're curious, learning more uh, to, to learn more about this is to read My Stroke of Insight by Jill Bolte-Taylor, PhD. She was a neuroscientist and a brain researcher who suffered a midlife, early midlife stroke that left her left brain in capacity severely compromised. And she really only had access to her right brain and it just changed her whole worldview. There's also an awesome Ted talk. In fact, there's probably more than one at this point 
that she's done if you prefer um, listening rather than reading um, or get the audiobook. But it's an amazing exploration of the open, vast expanse of knowledge that's accessible to us when we use both of our brain hemispheres, when we use our gut brain as well as our head brain, and really come into a conversation listening on all channels, on all levels. And so that's really what kind of what I wanted to focus on here for session two of season four of Let's Talk to Animals. You can't expect yourself to come into an animal communication conversation feeling confident. You can feel confident that the animal that you want to speak with is willing to talk with you. Of course, it's always nice to ask their permission. We'll cover that in another session. But understand that we're not going to come in here. We're not going to crush it. We're not going to master it. We're not going to kill it. We're not going to slay it. We're We're going to come in with total humility, with open-heartedness, with open listening ears, with a quiet mind, with a desire to to learn, even if it's just one tiny new tidbit that we we take away from the conversation. We're here asking the animals with with love and humility, please, please teach, teach me about your life. Teach me about who you are. Teach me about how you see the world. Take me on a walk in your shoes. Show me what I've been missing about you. Allow me to spend a little time in your world. And and that may feel very anxiety producing at first. It may feel very disempowering. It may feel um, even off-putting, but just understand that there's a lot of power in humility. There's a lot of power in opening up this empathy channel and it, it, it can take some time for you to start to feel it, but there's a whole deeper degree of support and safety that you'll find internally when you permit yourself to approach a new experience from the perspective of being a humble student, a student of life, a student of your own life, and a student of the lives of others. So I, I hope this is, uh, this is helpful and insightful for you. I hope you're enjoying season four so far. I do hope that you will take me up on my invitation to enjoy all of the wonderful conversations that I have had. I've had the great good fortune to facilitate conversations with communicators and practitioners from around the globe for seasons one, two, and three. I, I know you're really going to enjoy listening to them. If you're seeking an animal communicator to help you and your pet converse or a mentor to help you develop your own interspecies communication skills. It would be my honor to be a part of that. And of course, you can find many more wonderful communicators and teachers through the podcast archives as well. And you can find those at animallovelanguages.com backslash podcast. So I will bid you adieu and send you all my love for now and hopefully to welcome you back next week for another episode of Let's Talk to Animals. Okay, bye for now and all of our love.